Powered by GoGoat Sports in partnership with TSN, this is episode 44, season 4 of the Rain Rakes Hockey Podcast. And it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Joining us today on the podcast as trade deadline now looms. We're recording on Tuesday, the deadline, 3 o'clock Eastern, Friday. Dave Nonis, former Toronto Maple Leaf general manager, general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. So he's going to step in and analyze some of the deals, Ray, that we've already seen. But then look at the dynamic, the logistics, everything that goes into this week and trying to do something both substantial or from a depth perspective. So real good content coming up with Dave Nonis here on the Rain Regs podcast. Now, man, I feel like I'm swimming in mud and that's the way this week is, right? You know, you're just buzzing, you're hearing this, you're hearing that, you're trying to connect dots. Not complaining again about the snow removal nonsense. But in a bit of an embarrassing moment. So wake up this morning, knew it was coming. I was prepared. You know, probably about six, eight inches of the heavy snow. Get the blower out. You know, no problem. Get my driveway clean. Do the neighbor beside me. Do the the people across the street, couple of neighbors. Time is perfect. I'm talking to neighbors. You know, it's like 8 a.m. Eastern. I got a little bit of time getting some exercise. It's all great. Come back in. Now I got to prep for the the podcast. Run upstairs quickly. Uh, and I look into the mirror in our in our ensuite, my, I I got my pants on inside out. I literally spent an hour outside snow blowed, talking to the neighbors and everything else with and the only reason I knew is it's so obvious is my pockets were hanging down to like just above my knees. And I'm like, like I mean, at least they're black kind of Lululemon type of pants. So maybe it wasn't that obvious, but I was like, oh boy, the trade deadline is really getting to me these days. <laughs> Well, I wonder, I wonder if, well, your neighbors wouldn't have noticed because you would have had your jacket on. Yeah. Right. So you would have been safe there and Holly seen you looking like an idiot before. So that multiple have been, times. Yeah. Yeah. So that, but how about that first, not, not saying that this happens often, but, but I've been around the house and gone, eh, those pants are on inside out. Yeah. I've done it. Cares. You know, your pajama pants and you're like, eh, they'll walk. yeah, but at least you're in the house. Walking around outside is a, <laughs> you got other things on your mind, man. Well, and I, I, so this is something that annoys me and it happens probably three times a week. I'm, I'm up early as are you obviously. Yep. So I don't want to upset you well, it's just Holly in the house now. <laughs> well, tiny sound asleep. So I go into the, the closet. I just grab a t-shirt. I throw the t-shirt on to get downstairs, get the coffee machine, go and feed the cat, all those things inevitably at least three, four times a week, I put the t-shirt on backwards and my blood pressure goes, it's unbelievable. It you say me off. <laughs> unbelievable. You say that. <laughs> I think as I get older, I can't get a damn shirt on the right way. And I look at it, you know, like when you pull the t-shirt out though, yeah. from whatever your drawer or wherever you've got it stored, I look at it and I'm like, okay, that's the back. I turn it around. I put it on. It's backwards. And I'm like, how did that even happen? And the fact that all I got to do is just turn it around, right? I don't even have my arms in it yet. Makes me go, what the? F-? I can't believe you said that. That grumpy that old man. Is, oh That's my what God. We're heading for it, buddy. I just want to get my shirt on man. and get downstairs for. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, on to better things. And that's headlines. And there is so much going on. Look, let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's pretty obvious now that the all in applies to Kyle Dubas and what the Maple Leafs have done. I mean, pretty clear. The playoffs will determine whether or not it's been worth it. Two mammoth trades, Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari from the St. Louis Blues. 
You know, then they make another deal with the Chicago Blackhawks, improve their blue line with Jake McCabe, you know, add some speed and depth, a little bit of grit in Sam Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks. But I feel like, even though it's premature, I feel like Kyle Dubas does deserve credit. A lot of managers deserve credit because they've added and they bettered their chances. But in Toronto, that's what it's all about. And, and Dubas has acknowledged this. He wants to give his core a better chance to succeed. Hard to ask for much more from a manager than that. I, I just, I'm really quite interested in the win or doom picture around Kyle Dubas in particular. Yes, it's around the Leafs, but it's around Dubas because he doesn't have a contract pass this year. And I really don't know what much more he could do um, to to prep the team to be a playoff team, to be a really good playoff team. Right. Here's the thing, Drakes. So last three years, Tampa's been to the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. They add Tanner Juno. They have the best goalie in the game, in in my opinion, in, in Andre Vasilevsky. They have Victor Hedman, who hasn't had a great year, but he's still a core top-end, top-end defenseman. You've got Stamkos and Kucherov and Point up front. I mean, so they got to play Tampa. New Jersey adds Timo Meyer. The Rangers add Tarasenko. They're going to add Kane. Of those four teams, two of them are gone 10 days into the playoffs. Mm, yeah. Sometimes the luck has to line up for you. The uh, Your opponent has to line up for you. I don't know how, I don't know how there can be critique for what Dubas has done here. So I'll give you this example. In the past couple of years, I feel like the Leafs have added players that their reputation is $10, but what the Leafs got was a player worth $6. This year, they're adding players whose reputation is in a certain area, $10. They're getting players at that level. Now, there's going to be a point where Ryan O'Reilly looks a little clunky and a little slow, but he's always been that. But he's really smart. He'll always do things to but work around his foot speed because he's that's just the way that he plays. Achari is going to play the same way, game one, game 90. Doesn't matter. He runs over people, plays, he's strong, he's heavy, he's thick. He's a good penalty killer. Lafferty plays with energy and speed. I checked in on on Jake McCabe yesterday. I called a couple of people that I, that I know and just asked for an update. And they said that the one growth in McCabe's play has been he's kind of realized who he is. He doesn't try to play with the puck more than he needs to. He gets it. He moves it. He plays. He competes. He's a really good, solid teammate. He is physical, but he's really kind of dialed in on what he is. These are really good additions. Is it going to be enough? You got no idea. I told you, Dregs, before. I I worry about a scenario from a Toronto, and really, I don't really care, but I'll just say this. I worry about it from a Toronto scenario that, they score six goals on Tampa three times in that series for their three wins, and Vasilevsky makes 45 saves the other four games. It's very possible it could happen. And that's, I mean, there's the thin edge of where they're at. And if they get through that series, okay, then Boston's waiting for them. Like, the road in the East is potholed all over the place. And that's where I want to go, but you know what? I mean, it's like, you know, we joked about grumpy old men you know, talking about our clothing issues earlier in yes. the podcast. But it feels like we're screaming at the clouds when when we complain about the playoff matrix because that's what it is. And it doesn't seem like it's going to change anytime soon. However, you know, when you when you talk about 
entertainment and everything that the National Hockey League owners, players, all involved should be invested in, that should be it. How is it good for the sport in general, the growth of the sport in general, when you've got either the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are proven champions, you know, in a dynasty era, if you will, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of those teams is kicked to the curb after round one. Now, I mean, it's been that way for how long? So again, defeating my argument here by saying why complain about it, I'm just, it's disappointing to me that contracts aren't going to be observed. Jobs potentially are at stake are going to be lost. You've got two organizations that couldn't be more all in. Couldn't be. Three, if you throw the birth equation, right? And one, two teams uh, are going to be kicked aside. It's just, it doesn't seem like it's the right way to do things. No, it doesn't. However, as my favorite comment, Bill, <laughs> comment Bill Burr says, however, here's the thing. There's a randomness to this as well. And what the randomness is, is the Leafs happen to acquire these core players, really great players, at the same time that Boston and Toronto or Boston and Tampa have it their organization at you know running right on the red line, like they're yeah yeah the the so there's bad luck to this as well. The problem is the bad luck doesn't change in one year or two years. It's because if a team gets into a sweet spot with their with their core, they're going to be good for a number of years. By going to a different system where you end up with more close to like a one verse eight, something yeah. like that. Maybe the division winners are seated one versus two, and then everything else gets, you know, gets put in points. There would be further randomness to the matchups. Right. And I, I think that's more what people are looking at because this whole hope of driving divisions and rivalries by staying in division, that would be great if the teams played each other more in the regular season. The fact that the Oilers and the Flames are done, the Rangers and the Devils are done, like, it, it's kind of like they got a foot on either side of the fence with this thing, but it's not good that that Toronto, Tampa, Rangers, Devils, two of those four teams are out mm-hmm. because they're four of the best teams in the league. We've got Dave Nonis joining us on the podcast. number of things we're going to discuss, the future of Kyle Dubas in Toronto, whether that you know, weighs heavily one way or another on the outcome of that round one, likely against Tampa Lightning, seems like a lock at this point. We'll talk to him about just, again, the gymnastics, the mechanics of this week, trade deadline week, and everything that goes into it. And and also, I mean, we've, we've heard about the Roberto Luongo trade that almost happened with the Leafs, but we'll get to, to Dave on that and kind of dig away at it. So we've talked about the arms race in the East, and, you know, we're looking around. Pittsburgh hasn't done anything yet. Let's see if Hexy steps up. I mean, they're, they're clubs that... You know, you know who I'm looking at? You know who I'm that? looking at? Yeah. Carolina. They will have not, to do something. They, yeah. But they won't get through the deadline without doing something. Agreed. Agreed. They always seem to find a significant piece. Yeah. Somewhere. And it's going to be somebody, I think, I have no information on this, but I think if the ad will be somebody we're not thinking about. And, well, look, I mean, they need a scoring help up front, right? So that's going to be part of the equation is a JVR. Tyler Bertuzzi back in the mix, which is interesting because Detroit lost that tough one versus Ottawa play again tonight. You know, as we record this on on Tuesday, tall ask for Bertuzzi, a first plus something. Maybe a bit of scoring pop there. I don't think that this guy is top priority for Carolina, but Donnie Waddell likes to weigh in on everything, right? So he's poked around on Jake Chikrin. The Oilers, we know, 
are basically after any defenseman with a pulse. <laughs> you know, but, but they do have the thought of, is this guy going to make us 3% or 5% better? Because if he is, then we're yeah. not going to do it. Right, right. If, if it's a significant player. So I, I guess what I'm it. saying is I see the Oilers making either a bigger move yeah. or not one. Right. And by bigger, you know, I don't... You you heard Eric Carlson's comments yesterday, yeah. right? Where he's and and it's 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 a well made point. He's a veteran player. He's got a no move. You know, he feels like if there was a trade coming, he would know about it and he would have been asked and consulted at this point. So I'm not I'm I'm not dismissing Carlson's possibility. Or there's still time, but I do know the Oilers have invested a ton of time and have made a significant offer in Matthias Ekholm from Nashville. Yeah. You've got the Jake Chicker and interest which has been consistent and persistent, but you do, isn't that? That's what you do. You start at the top of the ladder. Here's here's priority A. And then in the meantime, you're working on priority B, C, D, because you may have to pull the trigger on C or D if you get to Thursday or Friday and you don't like what you're seeing from priority A or B. That's what yeah, the way I, I would assume you're sitting in there in the conversation, if it comes back and it seems like it's getting more and more one-sided from you to them. Yeah. Now you start pivoting more so to other teams, but don't forget that other general manager that you're talking to, he's still got a phone as well. Mm. And so while you're waiting to see what he's saying to you, you know, he's talking to other people too. Right. And you can't get caught holding the bag here that how many times trades do we get right near the end and that queue of trades yeah. to the league is 10 long? It is. Because because everything it gets right to the end and that's when the GM's got to decide. Yeah. Is all this work they put in, there's going to come a moment Friday afternoon when they say yes or no to something. And then uh, it is a flurry. You know what would be cool to see is to have a camera in an office to say, okay, right when a trade is made near the end of the deadline and to have this camera be able to capture all the activity that has to happen right when the general manager says, yes, do it. And he points at somebody and then it's got to be, I'm assuming yeah. it's chaos yeah. to get that thing into the queue to <laughs> finalize that deal in the way that the league can review it to say that the deal yeah. is okay. Well, I think it would be fascinating. It's why we're on the air until six o'clock Eastern from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. because, yeah, once the deadline closes at 3 p.m., that doesn't mean that is deadline over. You're right. I mean, there are dozens of trades that are in the queue, and Central Registry has to chew through them all. Hey, here's something interesting. Chris Johnson just tweeted our colleague. The NHL released a memo to teams this morning saying that it will, quote, unquote, closely scrutinize trades where injured players are acquired with the intent of keeping them on LTIR, long-term injury, until the playoffs. Mm. This could impact the market for players like Nyquist, John Monaghan, Adam Henrique, mm. etc. So the league Explain is definitely that paying a bit, attention. Then, Drake, explain that a bit. So that would be getting Nyquist, yeah. knowing that he's not ready until the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Now, they're not banning it per se. They're just saying that it's got to be 100% on the up and up. And, and look, people always look back to the Nikita Kucherov situation, right? Where he was skating mm -hmm. for weeks in Tampa Bay, and then not available in the regular season, comes back for the playoffs, and away he goes. But the NHL medical staff, head office medical people, were in constant communication with the Tampa Bay Lightning medical people, right? What's going on? Where is this situation? So the league essentially had to sign off on that file, and they did. So I think really that's what this is, is a reminder of 
Okay, you can do it, but it needs to be on the up and up. And if Nyquist or Monaghan or or Adam Henrique are good to go with two, three weeks remaining in the regular season, that's your effing problem. Figure out your cap situation. That's that's how I interpret that messaging. So, okay, you know, can I just throw something here? Maybe it's a little bit off, but yeah, kind of along the same thing. But if I'm Jacob Chikrin and I'm sitting around collecting dust here, waiting for a deal for the last two years, but now I'm not playing because we're waiting for a deal to happen and it's asset protection and all that stuff, trade protection. Yeah. Pretty quickly, I'm starting to think about a grievance here through the Players Association. I'm with you. Because I, I know we don't swear on here. I think it's bullshit. Mm. I really do. Yeah. That if there's an imminent trade, sure, I get it. But Jacob Chikrin's, has he been out two weeks? February 10th, I believe. Yeah. All right. So, so two plus weeks. If it is, that's two weeks today. Yeah. No, it's more than two weeks. Like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just, I understand. Look, I get it. I understand the protection. You don't want the guy to, to get hurt. However, at some point, there's got to be a, a balance to this a little yeah. bit. I don't know exactly how you would attack it. But if I'm Chikrin, I will, now I haven't played for two weeks. I'm going to get traded and go to a team that's fighting for a playoff spot. I've got to learn a system. Yeah. I've got to get back to game pace because I've been practicing never because teams don't practice as much anymore. Yeah. It, it's a weird spot. Really bothers me though that these guys are just sitting around and they'd like to get in. Loaded with information. Those are your Ray and Riggs Hockey Podcast headlines. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. Fitting time of year to have a former NHL general manager join us here on the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast. That is Dave Notice, a friend of the podcast. And, you know, we're just a couple of days out from the deadline now, Dave. And um, I want your your sense, your feeling on some of the deals that we've seen. I don't want you to go through all of them, but how surprised are you at the amount of futures that are being invested here on some of these deals? And I'll, you know, I'll look at the Tampa Bay deal, right? So they they acquired Tanner Janot from the Nashville Predators for Calfoot and a boatload of draft picks. But I mean, you could basically pick any one of the bigger deals and they're are a couple of significant future components to it, right? Both prospects and draft picks. Are, are you at all surprised at how creative some of these general managers have gotten over the last week to 10 days? I wouldn't say surprised, but it's definitely the trend is putting futures in. Draft capital is getting deals done. You know, it's, uh, you're not seeing high-end prospects or even young players getting moved in these deals. They're, they're putting excessive amount of draft picks in in order to try to get a deal done. The Chino deal is a good example. I, I think if you look at what Tampa's history has been of, of late, it's identifying a player that maybe a lot of people didn't have on their radar, but it's a good fit for them and paying whatever it takes to get them. 
And, you know, it's worked out for them in the past. But if you look at the, the drafts, picks that have gone, that's something they feel 15, 20 years ago, that never happened. If you were moving a second round pick or two seconds, that was a lot. But the landscape has definitely changed. Right now, it's a situation where rebuilding teams want the draft capital. They want to get plenty of picks as they can, try to reload as quickly as they can. And that's a currency that's being used. I think it's, you know, I think quite frankly, it makes sense for both teams. The team, you know, in these types of trades, because teams that are going for it, they don't want to move players off their roster. They want to add players to their roster. And if they really think that they have a chance to win, the draft picks that are giving away right now don't make, you know, a whole lot of sense of holding on to uh, as opposed to giving up a player off the roster. Dave, the the last five to 10 years, uh, we've seen the explosion of analytics into into hockey, perhaps later than some of the other sports. And it's not just what we see on the ice, it's in the way that teams are built. And now each team has an analytic group that puts a value on each draft pick and what that pick might be. And the retaining money is X number of dollars equals this round draft pick. Does that would that make it easier to quantify what these future picks might mean to you as opposed to before when you were just kind of going on feel and gut? Yeah, no no question. And that has become a big part of it. You know, we we worked with the analyst departments to the teams I've been with to try to generate value. What is the value of the pick? What is percentage of that of that pick playing? What is percentage of that pick having an impact? How big of an impact? How many games is that player gonna play? But you know, that's become far more important and have uh, looked at than it was years past. You know, years past, again, going back to when I started, you, you might look at the the draft, you know, the 20 Bristol overall pick and say, how many games has he played? But now they go much deeper into it in, in terms of games played and impact. What is the impact of that player? So, you know, it's not like they're, they're, they're useless or worthless, these picks that are being thrown in there. But uh, these teams know what the, the percentage of that player playing is. And, you know, if you look at uh, what teams want, Yes, fifth and sixth round picks are important. You want those in there. It's another chance of getting a player. But really, you're talking about the first and second round picks that are really driving these trades. Those are the ones that are, are going to be looked at years down the road to see, you know, was that a good trade or wasn't it? It's hard to evaluate these now. People want to. You know, look at all the picks this, you know, this team got or look at the player they gave up. But what those picks turn into is going to be very important. You know, some of these teams that are that are garnering all these picks. If I was going to spend money right now on a team, it would be in player development and scouting, amateur scouting. Because, you know, these picks are great, but if you're not turning them into real prospects and developing them, then at the end of the day, you, you know, you've done all this work for nothing and your team's not going to go forward. Well, I, I thought Julian Breezebois was incredibly blunt and honest yesterday. I just, the, the fact that he said the odds of one of these picks helping us now is zero. And it just really spoke to me about the differences teams have to look at in the window of where their franchise is. Like Chicago's got 30 picks in the next three drafts and Tampa's got about four. And and it's because pretty clearly the different stages of their of their teams at this point. I really, I love what Julian does. I mean, I, I think that, again, it's going to change at some point in Tampa where they're going to want those picks and they're going to want to reload. But he's done a good job in the last couple of years of identifying what they need. Maybe not the best player available, maybe not the sexiest you know, player that they could bring in, but a player that they need. And he's done it for you know, the last couple of years. Hagel, Paul, Goodrow, you know, those are names that helped that team immensely. And I think this is the other one where you looked at it and said, this is a player that's not having the best year, but is a really good player, had a great year last year, but he fits what I need. And you know, that's what I think is, is 
really interesting about how Tampa does their, their business. I, I think they look at what they need, what they can get, how do I go about getting it? And it, I think that it's a very successful formula. At some point, it's going to change there. They're going to have to go the other way and try to get some picks and restock the shelves. But right now, they've well, that window's still open in Tampa, and they're they're going to keep it open as long as they can. Dave Nolan is joining us on the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast. Dave, I want you to help us just through experience here and history. Connect the past with the present. Um, there seems to be this general narrative out there that because Kyle Dubas is on an expiring contract, that if the Toronto Maple Leafs don't get past that first round, that he's, he's just going to be allowed to walk. I mean, it's that simple. Is that way, way, way too simple? And then how do you read, you know, what Dubas has been able to accomplish here in a relatively short period of time with the ads? I mean, that doesn't speak to me like, I mean, we know that Dubas isn't managing because he's looking for a contract extension, but you also have intimate knowledge, inner workings with that group in Toronto. So with educated kind of background here, how do you read that scenario or is it way too soon? And that first round is definitely going to have significant influence on whether or not he stays in Toronto or goes. I think it'll have some impact, but it, at the end of the day, it really shouldn't. You know, if we're all praising Kyle for the job he's done, I think most people are. He's done a really good job in the last several weeks of, of adding some key pieces to that team. Now, if, if, if we're as a group, you know, when you say as a group, the media, fan base, saying that Kyle's done a really good job of giving this team a chance to win and they don't, how do you, how do you, how do you change that evaluation? How do you say he's done a really good job right now and then say, well, we lost at seven, so he's got to go? I, I just don't think that's the way of, of looking at evaluating him. If he had done nothing and had gone into the this playoff with a team that had a chance to win, and I think that they do, have they lost in the first round? I think you can make a case that, you know, Kyle, look at what you've done. He didn't do enough to get us over the hump. I think he's done a really good job. And I, I think you have to evaluate the job he's done based on the pieces he's at and how he went about doing it. Now, they're not playing against the weak sisters. This <laughs> is going to be a, a pretty tough goal for him. And and, and I, I think you can look at that matchup if they end up playing Tampa, which is almost you know a sure thing, and say that, you know, that Toronto may have a better team on paper. You could make that argument that they have a better team on paper. What they don't have is the experience that Tampa has. They don't have that goal. <laughs> So those are two things that could be difference makers, and Charles still might lose that. You know, they might still might lose that series. I don't think it's the fault of the general manager in this case for not adding enough pieces or putting enough bullets in that gun that they had a chance to compete because he did do that. The one thing I worry about that series from Toronto's standpoint is they might win three games by scoring six goals, and Vasilevsky might make forty-five saves the other four games, and yeah. and you lose. <laughs> like it's like it. To me, that series has the potential to be two completely different series inside the same series. I want to ask you, Dave, about uh, David Poyle, who's retiring right. in, in Nashville. Just a remarkable career. I, I remember seeing him in Pittsburgh um, in, in one of the games in the finals, and he was walking one way, I was walking the other way, and I just had this sense like, the enormity of it for him. He'd been in it so long and there they were in the finals. They were so close. And of course they weren't going to go on and win. Uh, maybe dealing with David or, or a thought on his outstanding career. Yeah. A couple of things with, with David. I mean, first of all, you have to congratulate him for lasting this long. I mean, that's a credible lot of time in the, in the manager's chair. And he did a, a great job over a number of years and in some difficult circumstances. And it wasn't always a better roses than in Nashville. Yeah. You know, I think he, he did some great things there. Uh, I love working with David. I, I, he was one of the guys, and you could always trust. You knew that he was telling you the truth. Um, 
we got deals done together, did several deals with David over the years. You knew that what you were getting, he wasn't selling you on it. He was telling you what you were going to get and you could trust him. And so I think it's, you know, I, I wish he would have, some people you wish would have had their name on the cup and it didn't happen. And David's one of them. I mean, I think yeah. he was a guy that really put the time in and, and deserved it. I think it's an interesting dynamic what's going to go on there with you know, Barry Trotz going in. Uh, you know, I was saying this the other day to some people, I've had some of the coaches that I've been around or had would have made terrible general man because they were emotional. Some of the things they would bring up, you know, can you get this guy for that guy? And you'd shake your head and say, what are you talking about? That's going to set us back for, for years. I, I don't think that's the case with Barry Trotz. I think this is a measured, smart, calm individual. I don't know him very well, but watching him and how he operates, I think he's, uh, he's going to go about this methodically. And I, I think that it'll be interesting to watch, but I think he's going to do a rip. Really a, a very good job at that, Phil. Dave, why don't you walk us back through, listeners, as we come back to the trade deadline here. It's always about deals that didn't go down, right? And I'm sure every year, as you're sitting in the general manager's office, be it a small deal or maybe a much larger deal, there were deals that you just couldn't pull together in time for the 3 p.m. Eastern trade deadline. The Roberto Luongo trade to Toronto comes to mind. I mean, was that right up there with the biggest that was close, but you just couldn't pull the trigger or they wouldn't accept the deal that was there? Yeah, that's probably the biggest one in my career. There's been you know, a number over the years in terms of impact player. It would have been Roberto. You know, That was one where I just couldn't talk myself into it. As much as I loved the player and I knew he would have a major impact on our group, it just would have been a, it would have been very difficult for the franchise moving forward. Quite frankly, I don't know if they, even today they'd be in the same situation because they would have had to operate differently for a number of years after that contract um was like are you talking first round picks and plus and plus and plus yeah there was picks it wasn't the it wasn't the picks that uh that made me walk away it was the contract and and what would happen after he if he retired which he didn't do right so the the penalties that would have been associated with it everything else would have made sense i mean that it was uh it was set up in a way we were we weren't giving up a lot of players, we we're just giving up picks. We we're giving up one goaltender going back. But as much as I wanted to do it, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I think, you know, looking back at that playoff, uh, the playoffs that year, we we would have got on. We would have beat Boston and we would have got further. But as a franchise would have it would have hurt us. You know, the most difficult deadline that had ever been associated with was after the Bertuzzi incident, because we were left with very little time you know, went from being a contending team with, you know, long run aspirations to having our best player, one of our best players, if not our best player, out for the rest of the year. So it, it's one thing that I can tell you, if you're trying to find a player on the last day before the deadline, it's not going to happen. We we scrambled like crazy to try to find uh, pieces that fit, you know, and we, we did our best. You, you can't uh, execute big trades on the last day. You know, we no. were able to get Jeff Sanderson, Martin Ruchinski, you know, decent players, but far, you know, far from their prime at that point. And, you know, people that think that trades get executed, Yes, they get executed, finalized on the on the days prior to the deadline, but they're really not done. They're done in weeks, even a month beforehand, <laughs> and that's that's where these deals get put together. So we're all watching the next few days to see what other deals fall, and, and there'll be a couple that you know I think that we're maybe a little surprised at, but they've been working on these for a long time. They're not going to happen in the next twenty four hours. Okay, so the last one for me: the teams are teams are making deals all around you. You're close on a couple, but you're not sure how close you are. You know, some other teams are poking around the same players. Uh, your sleep to rest ratio 
uh, in the next three days <laughs> is zero or well, like, like how could you even get any re- relaxation at this point? Are you just panic city? Yeah. You, you don't get much uh, the last couple of days. Now uh, you, you really don't leave the rank. I mean, that's as stupid as that sounds because you, know, you have a cell phone, but if you basically stick around the, the rank almost 24 hours, days leading up, if you're on the road, you know, you've got a big suite somewhere with your staff and you're, you know, you're, you're waiting for something to happen, even if you know that you might be sitting there in vain, but you're sitting there, if you've got offers out and if you, you know, you've made calls to see if prices drop uh, or if, you know, if there is interest in some people, some players you're trying to sign. Yeah. The last couple of days are, there is no rest for the managers right now. They're, you know, they're full on trying to get these deals concluded. And just to see if there's something that might fall on their lap, which does happen. But when I say fall on your lap, it's it's usually a player that you've asked about. Uh, they want a, a first round pick or a second round pick. They don't get it. They come back to you unexpectedly, you know, on the day of and say, you know, I thought I was going to get a first, but I'm only going to get a third. Are you interested? And you have to be prepared for that as well. That's kind of what you're waiting for. Big deals are, are already concluded. It's the ones that might circle back you that you're kind of sitting on pins and needles and, and waiting on the, the last days leading up to the deadline. So Ray, you want a little inside information here? Oh, I'd love back into, Yeah. My history with, with Dave as a, as a general manager, everybody assumed that, you know, if there was something coming out of the Leafs or coming out of Vancouver, Anaheim, wherever, that Dave was my pipeline. He might have been the worst at responding to text messages at around the trade deadline that any of the general managers and contacts that I had. I used to, Dave, you could probably confirm this. How many times would I absolutely carpet bomb you? Like if I felt like there was something going on with your team, I'd literally text, text, text. You got to answer this or I'm going to keep doing it every 40 seconds. Yeah, he did. He did it all the time. And I used to tell him, listen, if I don't answer you, maybe there's smoke, there's fire, but I'm not following you back. So, <laughs> well, okay. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to tag it with this on Saturday. I'm doing the Rangers at Washington game this past Saturday. Yeah. And so in between the second and third period, I'm standing in the hallway. I'm talking to Emily Kaplan. She gets a note and she goes, she tells me that Canucks traded for Kravtsov. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. the Rangers are three feet to my right, <laughs> right? And I know somebody in the management with the Canucks. So I text Cammy and I say, I just put Kravtsov with a question mark. She texts back, what about him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I know. I just, so I send a note back. I just heard the deal's done. <laughs> you know, the, I just heard. That is so like, good. So that's, that's my pipeline right there. Zippos. Yep. All right, David, we'll let you go, man. Appreciate you doing this pre-deadline. And obviously we'll have you back after the deadline to kind of look at the aftermath and the mayhem that's already transpired, but some bigger names still in place. So let's hope they hang around till Friday. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me guys. And the interviews as always on the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast are brought to you by our good pals at Canadian Club Whiskey who are asking, are you over beer? I'm guessing the answer is yes. So do what Ray and I do. Crack open uh, a fresh CC ginger ale in a can or out of the bottle. It works too, Ray. Throw in a slice of lime and you are set for the game, set for whatever you've got going in your weekend leisure. Well, I would say right now, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder, Drakes. You see what that is on the fence there? That's snow. We don't get snow in Vancouver. Guess what? We're getting lots of it. (laughs) This might be the time for one of these little sippers just to relax. There's nowhere to go. 
We don't have snow blowers here. Could you get yours out here? I got a driveway issue. Uh, you mainly that to... I don't want to shovel it. Right. But you actually, you need like an electric snow shovel because you don't, you don't get the full brunt of it. You know, just uh. get off your wallet. Just go down to uh, Home Depot, Canadian Tire, wherever you want to go. They're cheap. You know what? No, I, I mean, got to say, the gadget knowledge you have. Oh, yeah. How do you have time to be an insider? You're a gadget collector. It's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time for a first visit of the week with Chris Abbott, a presentation of Batano.ca, available in Ontario. And Batano tells us the game starts now. And let's start with a big game, perhaps a game of the week. Let's see how the rest of the week goes as we record on Tuesday, Monday night, the Bruins, the Oilers, and you know, Abs, one of your favorite things to do is look at the over-under, and that was an interesting line for a game that was fairly evenly matched, I would think, going in. But talk about a quick start. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, the game starts now. They, yeah. they took that literally out in Edmonton last night. And, you know, it's I can understand why the total is six and a half. You've got the top two candidates for the Hart Trophy odds. Granted, uh, David Pasternak's like 20 to 1 now in second place. But, you know, lots of goal scoring. Uh, by both these teams, they both play super fast. So, you know, he had a backup goalie going and Jeremy Swayman backup, but his numbers have been fantastic. So I, anyway, I decided I'll try and sneak in an underplay here. Two competitive teams that, that are built, you know, and, and plan on going deep in the playoffs. Playoff time, you see totals of six, five and a half, five. So try to sneak in at under, under six and a half. And then, of course, you know, you guys all know my luck. It's one, one, two and a half minutes <laughs> yeah. in. And instead of feeling defeated, I, I I doubled down at under eight and a half, and that's the beauty of live betting because with two goals early in the game, you know the the algorithm needs to adjust. If that offensive pace had it kept up, then eight and a half would have been blown out of the water. But we all know that that's an anomaly to have those two quick goals and, and for it to sustain itself. So it's a really good opportunity actually to when you see early goals like that, or otherwise, you know, a game that has a higher total with no scoring in the first period, maybe sneak on the over at the intermission. So that's that's what I like to do. Okay, when you do that, um, how much are you watching the game and trying to evaluate what you see? Because yes, there was a goal at each end, and there was a really there was a great pace. But halfway through the period, the shots were four three, and so yeah, I mean, you know, like you, you got to watch still, don't you? Or are you just are you doing it a different way? Well, I'll tell you, the guys who are the actual professionals, they they'll tell you they don't even know who's on what team. They just play the math. But right. those of us who like to bet recreationally, yeah, you gotta watch. And and if you have a little bit of an insight on a sport, it can certainly help. Boston, one of the best defensive teams in the league. We saw that once they got the lead. They were able to I won't say close it down because Edmonton still had their chances, but at least limit the opportunities. And, you know, we didn't have any power plays in the first period. I don't think maybe one. And it was it was just a breakneck pace out there. And, and we just need to get a few saves to get the game back on track. And luckily, that's what happened. Let's look at the Alberta teams for a moment here, Abs. I mean, is there any sense in putting any money down on Connor McDavid in the heart at this point? Or is it just, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, put a little bit down and you're shooting for the moon, but that seems a little lopsided. And Calgary, you know, just the odds of the Calgary Flames not making the playoffs because they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. I mean, I'm not sure anybody in Calgary knows. Well, I'll start with the first question. So McDavid, last night I'm watching the game. I'm like, this guy's got to win the heart. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it, you know, outstanding career of season so far and career, obviously. But I looked at it, it was like minus a thousand. So if you're, what that means is that every thousand dollars you bet, you'll profit a hundred bucks. <laughs> but I mean... Okay, he's gonna win. And if you had that money sitting around and you didn't mind tying it up for, you know, until the end of the 
I guess it would be June before it was announced, but uh, there could be almost a guaranteed income certificate there like they do at the bank. So uh, then it went to minus 2000 this morning. So now you're you're risking a lot of money. And, and I don't know, even if he got injured tomorrow, and I really hope that doesn't happen, he might still win it. So anyway, not going to do that. The Flames one is interesting. We chatted a few weeks ago. They were three to one to miss the playoffs. And I was, we were hearing some rumblings out of Calgary, you know, just kind of like, I don't know, is this team going to be able to sustain? Are they good enough? I think they're like 11 and 13 since the new year, something along those lines, under 500 anyhow. And uh, now they're odds to make the playoffs or a coin flip. So I guess... If you think they're going to find a way through it, then there's some good value on betting them to make the playoffs. But there's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that are, are starting to separate themselves and I feel like Calgary's not quite doing that. Last one for me, Abs, you've got all this basically an arms race in the Eastern Conference. Each team, it seems, each day gets a little better. It looks like, you know, today's Tuesday. It looks like the Kane trade's going to happen in the next 36 hours or so. Uh, how do the odds change as as the players get added to to these teams in a loaded conference? It's something to pay attention to because it moves a little bit every day. But what you'll see is is probably a, a better shot on a Western conference. Mm. I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, right? The last time I checked, except for the pandemic year, only one team from each conference can get to the to the Stanley right. Cup. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, to me, it would be a good time to to start thinking about your Colorado bets or whoever else you think might come out of the West because there's so much attention being paid to the East and not everyone can be the favorite. So that that's where I'd be, be kind of looking right now. By the way, I think Patrick Kane's going to look so good in that uniform. I can't wait. <laughs> it's been a long time going, so we'll see. We'll probably get a good look, uh, well, as early as the weekend. We'll leave it at that. All right, Abs, thanks for doing this, buddy. We'll check okay. in later in the week. Thanks, fellas. Take care. All right, fire your questions to us. Ask Green Riggs anything. You can do that by checking out our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, at Ray and Riggs, or on the website, rayandriggs.com. Uh, all right, let's go to Mario. Mario is asking, hey, guys, enjoy the podcast. Which team, and he's got in parentheses, Leafs question mark, which I don't think applies given everything that Kyle Dubas has done. Which teams do you think have serious interest in Tyler Bertuzzi, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, because of where the Red Wings are, I mean, it makes sense now, right? You can't allow Tyler Bertuzzi to go into free agency and walk and get nothing back for him because the way the market has turned here, right? Eiserman might end up getting a first round pick and maybe something else. So I would think with Timo Meyer gone, now you're looking at the next layer, and that next layer is a player like Bertuzzi or James Van Riemsdyk. So I don't know. What do you think? Vegas, Winnipeg, Carolina? I would say not Carolina out of the ones that you mentioned there. Vegas and Winnipeg, I could see. Yeah, but a player like Bertuzzi, I would say, given his age, don't rule out a team that's not in the playoffs. Interesting. Like if you're if you're a team that's in that group that's just just a little bit away. Not not a team that's not Chicago who are, you know, collecting all these assets, but a team that's just a little bit away. Bertuzzi's in the age range where you're you're kind of looking at a player that's, you know, in a in a in the meat of his career. Like why wouldn't you look at a player like that? Wouldn't be too expensive, you don't think? It depends what you what you have sitting in your in yeah. your draft pool. Right. Right. But even so, to re sign. Well, hmm. Decent player, somebody's, though, right? Yeah, yeah. somebody's going to resign him. He's yeah, going to sign somewhere. Yeah. yeah. 
my point is if it's Tyler Bertuzzi or you're going to go to open market and then get into a bidding war with him, that's no good either. Yeah. If you really, I mean, don't forget the team that's acquiring him doesn't sort of kind of like him. They really like him. So (laughs) I, I would say that I would say do not throw aside teams that are not in the playoffs. So it might be a team that you don't, you don't really expect. Nice. All right. From Shubham Mohan. And this is a trade-related question. Applies more to me, but you can certainly appreciate it given your history. With all of these insiders in hockey, how are you able to build connections to find sources? Surely it can't be as easy as calling teams and asking what they're up to. Also, once you find a source, how do you test to see their information is legit before you put it out in the media? Thank you. Love the podcast. That's Um, a good one. It is a good one, but I'm more old school, right? So if I don't get the information directly from the most impeccable source involved, so we're talking about a general manager or or even a player agent who's just been informed that his player has been dealt, I'm not going with it unless I've got, again, corroborating source. So you're you're not just going to get like a fringe source, somebody who's, you know, deeper down the the list of front office, you know, employees to say, hey, I I think that this deal is going down and then you report it. That's a tip. Then you verify, right? You check with your impeccable sources and you make sure that you've got it nailed. Yo, boy, it has been one of those podcasts where the gremlins technology of uh, taking control in the middle of Ask Grand Dregs Anything my good friend Ray Ferraro uh, got chopped off because of a poor internet connection. Maybe it's something to do with the weather in Vancouver. We know that uh, there's a snowstorm going through there, so stay safe, everybody. Likewise, here in Ontario. Anyway, I am going to select the Ask Gray and Driggs Anything question of the podcast. And I am going to Shubham Mohan. And the question about how we develop our sources in the insider business and how we can be sure that the information is accurate. And as I tried to explain there, I mean, it's part of being a journalist, but again, you know, it's the old story. It's not just one source, it's multiple sources. So thank you for the question and thank you for all who have submitted. And uh, we'll try and get to as many Asker and Dregs as we can post trade deadline, by the way. I think we're going to soon have uh, another special on Ask Ray and Dregs. And thanks to Canadian Club Whiskey for supplying the merchandise that we hand out to all of the great people who send their questions our way. Wrapping up episode 44 of the podcast, busy week, crazy trade deadline week. And I'm going to give the huge shout out to our partners who make the podcast possible. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who asks, are you over beer? By Boston Pizza. Pick it up, get it delivered to your door. Just let Boston Pizza do the cooking tonight. Batano.ca, now available in Ontario. That game starts now, says Batano. And by Doer, use code RNDPants and you will save 15% off everything at Doer.ca. That is episode 44, season four of the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast. Stay tuned. We will have a special edition post-trade deadline version of Rain Drakes coming later this week. In the meantime, regardless of the weather, stay safe, everybody.